Uh, I want to jump ahead in the church calendar. I want to go to Pentecost. I think the idea of us worshiping together as congregations has everything to do with Pentecost. And so I want to look at Acts chapter 2. If you can open up the Bibles to Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to read 1, verse 1, all the way down to 21. Page 1078 in a a pew Bible. Hear the word of the God, or hear the word of God from Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were uh, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. And because each one heard them speaking in his own language, utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. just want to stop right there. Peter wasn't living in 2017, because I've seen people at 9 in the morning. (laughs) Moving along. So these men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Quotes Joel from chapter 2. He prophesies, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons, your daughters, prophesy, your young men. We'll see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I'll show them wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's the word of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, guide us by the power of your word and by the power of your spirit that in your light we'll see light. Guide us by your word as we gather together that in your will we'll discover uh, peace and guide us so that in your truth uh, we'll be free. Holy Spirit, do thy will. Do thy will, Holy Spirit. People of God who love God said. Amen. Amen. I have three boys, three sons, ages nine, seven, and four. And uh, they still, you know, they're at the age they still like me. 
Um, they love me. They adore me. They are just in my in my face, sort of all the time for attention. If I compliment one of them, the other one, I said to one of them, Michael, you're such a good actor. Well, the next thing you know, uh, next morning, uh, the older son uh, has a monologue from Shakespeare, ready to, to give it to everyone. <laughs> but I have three boys, and we go through this routine. I'll jump in my bed. Tell us the story, Dad. T tell us the story again, they say. They poke me and wake me up, and although I've told them the story hundreds of times before, their persistence pays off. And I start to tell their birth stories again. To my oldest son, I say, Stephen, when you were born, you were, you were jaundiced. I don't know if you know what that is. You were, you were like yellow. Uh, and the nurses put you in a little glass container with a light. Uh, anybody have that? Or yeah. kids? Okay. Not the only one. Uh, and, and, and they put you in this thing, and he's, and he's glued to listening to the story of his birth. He's just so fascinated by it. And, and I said, and you were, you were perfectly still uh, when I held you. And when the nurses come up and, and gave you your first shots, I don't know what those shots are, but they gave you the first shots, you were still totally still, except your bottom lip came out about three inches. And you just started to cry, and it started to shake like crazy, and you bawled and you cried like a baby. My middle son, Michael, then says, what, what about me? Tell me my birth story. And I continue, Michael, you were not like Steve. He was very still, but you pushed and arched your back. And when I tried to hold you, you'd keep on moving and pushing. And, and you were strong. Where Stephen was kind of just, uh, you just hold him and he was still. You were strong. And you, the other thing was, you were hairy. You had hair on your back. You had hairy little mustache. You had hairy little sideburns. And when I would hold you, people would say, hey, did you adopt a little Puerto Rican baby? <laughs> and then my youngest son pushes me and says, How, what about me? Was, was I born? <laughs> I say, yeah, you were born. And you were tender and soft and squishy and whatever finger I held out or whatever, you, you would just hold on to it and nuzzle up and you were peaceful, and you would sleep so peaceful, almost immediately. And that little ritual that we do ends, they come and ask their birth stories. Crazy thing is, to this day, if Stephen is really upset, I mean, like, like he can't, uh, if, if he's upset about something, um, to this day, he'll be still, except his bottom lip will still come out, and he'll start crying that way. And Michael, to this day, he still tries to seven years old, still tries to get in, in bed with me, but he, he can't be comfortable unless he's pushing, arching, and, and pushing up against something. And Ryan, to this day, just like on his birthday, just wants to be held. Each boy hears my version of the day of their birth. They hear their birth story, their beginning, and they listen and they hear how I retell their birth story. Like I jumped ahead by sharing reading the Pentecost story this morning, but in a few months the church will celebrate Pentecost. Pentecost is uh, the day that the Christian church celebrates and remembers its birth story. We find our roots in the covenant of Moses and Abraham, but, but the Christian church finds its birth story at Pentecost. And while church anniversaries, we have our 40th this year, uh, but while church anniversaries commemorate the start of our local conversations uh, every church's birth really had or began at Pentecost. 
There is no faith Christian Reformed Church in Elmhurst, Illinois, without the birth story at Pentecost. There is no Roseland Christian Reformed Church or Roseland Christian Ministries without the birth story at Pentecost. Every Christian church across the globe, whether aware or unaware, is the result of that day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit pushing out. Will Willimon writes, the story of Pentecost is for... Uh, the church, a kind of classic, it's our birth story to which our faith community assigns authority, to which it returns over and over again as our guide to its life. In our birth story of Pentecost, uh, we, we recall the origin of our church, which was the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the story of Pentecost has given us hope, sometimes it has judged us for where we've gone wrong since then. But whether this birth story inspires us or judges us, one way to celebrate the birthday couple months, Pentecost, but one day to celebrate the birthday, the life of the church, is to recount and retell the story, just like my kids pushing me and saying, tell us our birth story, tell us our birth story. One way to celebrate our birth story, I'm sorry, who we are, where we are, is to recall and remember the story of the church's birth at Pentecost. Amen? Amen. So, I know I already read it, but hear it again from a paraphrase from the message. This is our birth story, Faith CRC. This is our birth story. Roseland CRC, from the message. When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together. They were people like us, trying to follow Jesus. They were together in one place without a warning. There was a strong wind. This past week, I don't know what it was like up here, but it was blowing real hard on Tuesday. My house shook. There was a strong wind, a gale force. No one could tell where it came from. And it filled the whole building. Imagine this room shaking. Ah... Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks. And they started to speak in different languages. As the Spirit prompted them, there were Jews staying from everywhere, devout pilgrims from all over the world. And when they heard the sound, they, they came in on the run. They were thunderstruck. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on. And folks around said, who are these folks? Are they Galileans? How come they're talking in all these different languages? And they're speaking all these different languages. Describing God's mighty work. Their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail out of any of it. They talked back and forth, confused. Saying, what's going on here? Others joked, they're drunk on cheap wine. And then Peter stood up. Backed by the eleven, spoke with bold urgency. And he said, Jews, fellow Jews, all who are here, listen carefully. Get the story straight. These people aren't drunk as you suspect. It's only nine o'clock. This is what the prophet Joel announced would happen. In the last days... Pour out my Holy Spirit on every kind of people. And you will prophesy. Your sons, your daughters, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. When the time comes, I'll pour out my Spirit on those who serve me. Men and women both will prophesy. I'll set wonders in the sky, signs on the earth below, blood, fire, billowing smoke, the sun turning black, and moon, blood red. Before the day of the Lord arrives, the day tremendous and marvelous, and whoever calls on my name, will be saved. That's our birth story. I want to take a little creative risk here today, uh, which can go really good or really bad. Uh, but I want to make sure I'm faithful to the story. But imagine with me, what if the churches that are here today, Faith CRC and Roseland CRC, had it in us the same curiosity as my kids, Right? Same curiosity as my kids in bed saying, hey, tell us, how, tell us our birth story. What if we had the same curiosity and we wonder about our birth story? If we heard the story of Pentecost and we, we kind of got struck of being curious and wanting to know again, Lord, how do we get 
to this place? What, what if we kind of went to God and said, tell us our story, tell us the beginning? What are the qualities from that story that, that maybe stand out? What are the parts of the beginning of that day would stand out? What, what are the parts of our birth story, Pentecost, that would inspire us, that would judge us, that would call us back to who we are supposed to be, that would nudge us forward to who God made us to be? And I'm not a three-point sermon person, but I, I want to do three qualities about the day of our church's birth, Pentecost. Three qualities about that day. Amen? Are you guys following me? Or are you like, where is he going? This is just weird. He's supposed to tell us stories from Roseland. And... I'm not a three-point person or a sermon person, but, but three qualities about the day of your birth, your church's birth, Faith CRC and Roseland CRC. If you read that story, the best I can tell from rereading the story of the church's birth at Pentecost is that you and me uh, were not in control. You hear me? We didn't even have the illusion of being in control. A lot of times we're not even in control. We just think we are. Amen. Uh, but on the day of Pentecost, the day of our church's birth, we weren't in control of things. And the best that we had to offer, the first followers of Jesus Christ, was to simply wait on God. That's not popular because we like to just think we can do, 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 do. And there's something good about do, do, doing. But we sing a song at Roseland, I think we sang it here before, uh, the, the, the same line repeats itself over and over and over again. I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting on you, Lord. Now, if you've ever been in a deep, dark hole where your best efforts couldn't get you out of it before, or out of it, if you've been in a dark place where you, you, you know you got nothing to get yourself out of, whether it was a health issue, or an addiction, or a situation, but if you've ever been in that place... You can relate to the theological accuracy of that song. I don't mind waiting on you, God, because I know I can't get out of this on my own. Sometimes the best we got is just to wait on God. And that was really the best God's people had to offer the birth of the church. They went to the room as they were told to do by Christ. They didn't make any plans. They didn't make a budget. Uh, they just waited. We're here, God. What do you want us to do, God? Now, if I told my dad that, he would say I'm just being lazy. But here at the birth of the church, the waiting on God, the not even making a plan, the simply waiting on God was a sort of faithfulness of God's instructions. It was a faithfulness and a recognition of their own limitations. And so they wait, and they wait, and they wait. And finally, the Holy Spirit comes in and and violently shakes and rumbles and moves them so they couldn't wait anymore. At that point, they had to get off their seats and do something. I heard a pastor once say, when the Holy Spirit moves, it's like, um, don't take the violent imagery of this, but it's like an atomic bomb, a mushroom cloud, pushing out, right? You see a mushroom cloud, it pushes out, and the day the Holy Spirit showed up, it was like a mushroom cloud that pushed everybody out. They're not in control anymore. They were pushed out to go and serve and to, to, to go and preach and to, to go share the good news and to go love somebody and to go help somebody and to go make a difference somewhere and, and, and not just let things be as they are anymore. But when the Holy Spirit comes, something changes and is, and is pushed out. The Christian Reformed Church in our world belongs to God. Contemporary testimony says the Spirit thrusts God's people into worldwide mission. 
The Holy Spirit impels, pushes young people and old people, men and women, to go next door and to go far away. And whether you're into science or art or media or the trades or garbage or whatever it is you do, you, you are pushed out, thrust by God's Spirit with the good news of God's grace. Spirit goes, you don't go alone, by the way. The Spirit goes with you. It goes with them, convincing the world of, of their sin and pleading the cause of Christ. Tell us the story. Tell us the story. What were we like when we were born? Church, this is what we were like. We were not in control. We waited for the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing. We weren't in control. Number two, what else? What were we like that day? I'll tell you what. On the day of our church's birth, Pentecost, um, we changed on that day. It was not business as usual anymore on the day of our birth. Barbara Brown Taylor writes, there's a sort of before and after set of pictures with Pentecost. Before Pentecost, the disciples didn't even recognize who Jesus was after he rose from the dead, even though he ministered and lived with them. Before Pentecost, before the day of the church's birth, Jesus' disciples, they didn't stick with him when he got into deep trouble. Uh, they didn't stick with him when the authorities came. Instead, they abandoned him and jumped ship as fast as they could. Before Pentecost, uh, just as he promised, Jesus rose from the dead. They struggled to firmly believe that he was alive again. But on the day of the church's birth, after Pentecost, the same slow, timid, bumbling disciples, the day of the church's birth, they became utterly fearless. They weren't scared anymore. Uh, after Pentecost, Jesus' disciples proclaimed the gospel in front of both large and menacing authorities. After Pentecost, before they were scared, but after Pentecost, they heal sick people. They exercise demons. They get up and they speak loud and proud about the goodness of God. They don't mumble anymore. They get up and they do it. After Pentecost, they heal the sick. They exercise demons. They even go to jail gladly, singing hymns and praising God even when they're persecuted. There's a boldness. You hear me? There's a boldness, a holy boldness, the Holy Spirit that is upon the disciples the day of the church's birth. Something is different about them. I told you, when my son's born, you tell them their birth stories, they still carry the qualities of the day of their birth nine years later. My son still sticks out his lip. You know, they all do the same thing. The middle one's real, still hairy. He is. But I, but I believe that you can see some of that same boldness today in Faith CRC, in Roseland CRC. I don't know all the stories that happen here, but I know in some ways you're not here if you're not living out that same holy boldness by the power of the Holy Spirit in some way. You, you still bear uh, the reflection of the day of your birth at Pentecost. You tell the story, it's the guy who's been up and down, and I tell it, he's in a down right now, but when I thought about this originally, he was more of a, in a higher place. But Lavelle Rice is a longtime resident of Roseland. He spent years on the streets addicted to cocaine. He's stolen from the church. Uh, he's conniving. And when he's uh, using, he'll do anything to get his next hit. Anything. Um, and last year on an ordinary Sunday, he stood up in front of the congregation and lifted his chin. Unafraid. Not timid. Not scared. But he cleared his throat <clears throat> and said, he said boldly, I just want to celebrate that it's been one year this week since I was out there on the streets. 
Because I just want to celebrate that it's been one year since I met those twins, Grace and Mercy. And I'm going to share the good news. And I'm going to testify. And I'm going to serve this God. And I'm going to be faithful to God for the rest of my life. You could see the boldness on him. You could see the change of Pentecost in his testimony. Tell me, tell us about that day. Tell us about the day we were born. Number one, the Holy Spirit was in charge. Number two, the Holy Spirit emboldened you to not be scared anymore, to be powerful, to live out a holy boldness. One more memory from that day, the day of your birth, the day of the church's birth. One more memory from that day for a moment. Maybe it was just a moment, but for one moment, uh, even if just a miraculous little moment, but you, back then, 2,000 years ago, you, the church, the people of God, who couldn't be more different than each other in so many ways, for a moment, everybody spoke the same language. Everybody could understand the same language. Greeks, Medes, everybody gathered that day with different agendas, with different politics, with different languages, just different. For a moment, began to speak and hear the same language together. And then those who stood by and watched, who thought the first church was drunk, uh, they didn't get it. Peter stood up and gave what was called the first Christian sermon. But on that day, the birthday of the church, for a moment, with all the ruckus, with all the madness, with all that was going on, with all the different people and the different languages and the different cultures, on that day, gathered in one space, the church, the people of God, spoke the same language. The church across the world isn't too good at speaking the same language. We speak different languages. Faith Christian Reformed Church, Rosen Christian Reformed Church, most times we don't speak the same language. It's not bad. We're different. Uh, we, we all speak English, but, but we talk about different things. We experience different things. Uh, most of our days we experience remarkably different realities, and that's not judgment. It's not saying you have it easy and you have it hard. It's just reality. Because things happen in Oman. Things happen in Rosen. But it's just reality. We live different lives than each other. Harold Boyd. This just speaks to our reality a little bit. Harold Boyd is our youth director, youth pastor. Wrote this on his Facebook wall. He said, it's 1134 in my neighborhood. I've heard over eight gunshots. I've heard ten sirens, two helicopters, countless ambulances, fire trucks, but 20 miles down the street, someone's having a cigar and a cocktail on their balcony. Someone's finishing their midnight run. Lord, help us. We need a plan. We need each other. That's what he wrote. I don't write that again to guilt some folks and give others some sense of self-righteousness. And I don't share it because I think we're going to come up with that plan today of, of how we can help each other. But it reinforces what separate lives we live, we, what different languages we speak as a church. But on the day of the church's birth, we spoke the same language, even if just for a moment judged by our birth story, maybe we're inspired. But I believe, Faith Christian Reformed Church, Rosen Christian Reformed Church, I believe that we still bear some of those same qualities today. And I believe that we still, at times, not perfectly, but I believe that we still can sometimes submit ourselves, not to our control, but sometimes we can still wait on God, wait on the Holy Spirit, when we're being the church that we're supposed to be. And I still believe that in a culture that's so immersed in fear, that still uh, is the one place in this world that is emboldened by God's spirit not to live out of the fears of the day. Fear of politics, fear of this world, 
legitimate fears, by the way. But, but we're the one place where we don't live out of fear, but we live with the Spirit and we live towards love. But I, and I believe that we're still those people who believe that the Spirit of God casts away all fear and turns us towards each other in perfect love. And I believe that we are still those people uh, who by nothing that we've earned or learned, by no great effort of, our, effort of our own, we are still those people in a fragmented world where people don't have to live together, where people don't have to worship together, where people don't have to talk to each other, uh, where people misunderstand each other and write caps all the time when they're mad, where, where people don't even speak the language. I believe that the church, even if just for a moment, is still the place where the Holy Spirit oftentimes, sometimes, gives us the opportunity to speak the same language. After church, there's Sunday school, correct? Pastor Greg Sheringham? Okay. After Sunday school, as David said, you, you guys offer us a feast. Uh, we'll share a meal together. We'll break bread together. And my hope is, and Pastor Greg's hope is, again, I know there's not a lot of us in world today, we don't just sit in clusters. But just like on the day of our birth, we move around at different tables. And try to speak the same language. If not, try to understand the other person's language. Uh, Rosalind, I'm your pastor. I'm not theirs. I can't tell them what to do. Can I, Pastor Jim? Whatever. <laughs> but, but if we're anything like the church on the day of its birth, then we will make an effort to sit with each other, to hear each other. We don't always get each other. Why does this person do that? I don't get why they do this. I, but for just a moment, while we break bread together, maybe we can look like the church on the day it was born. We'll share a meal. We'll break bread. We'll hear the language together. Uh, we will move in response to that language. What's Peter talking about on that day? The church's birth when he said, all who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. And so, people of God, the church, Roseland, faith, we will come to tables. Nothing to offer, just to simply eat together. Maybe just for a moment we'll speak the same language. The language I know that we all know is this. We all are completely in, completely in need of God's grace. Through Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we receive that grace. Maybe for just a moment we'll look again like the day we were born. Amen? Amen.